Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of CX Cast. Sam Stern here with my co-host, Jenny Wise. Hi, everyone. And we are taking our dynamic duo act here in the studio to a Forrester event in New York, the Consumer to Marketing Forum, which is in early April, where Jenny and I will be co-hosting a panel. Why do you care? Well, maybe you do, maybe you don't, but we wanted to talk about the content there, in part as we prepare and we're thinking about this as a top of mind topic for us right now, but also because we know this is a topic our listeners care a lot about, which is the importance of emotion to customer experiences. And then that's knowledge that I think we've conveyed and shared in many formats through Forrester before. But knowing that, that emotion matters, what do you do about it? So that's what Jenny and I are going to be talking about in New York, talking with some smart companies who are doing interesting things in those areas. But Jenny, today we wanted to talk a little bit about that knowledge that emotion matters. What do you do about that? Yes, yeah, so there are a few different ways to think about it. And one of the places I want to start, which is who should be thinking about it? Oh, yes. And I say this not just because we are taking our CX show on the road in front of a marketing audience, right. but because when you talk to CX professionals, of course we care about this component. It. You know, right. we have ease and effectiveness and emotion are the core tenants of our customer experience index and customer experience. But we often find that brand and marketers also care about the customer experience. And, you know, the more and more that we talk to them about, you know, what is brand and what do you stand behind? They have their brand promise, which is what sets up what the customer experience needs to fulfill. So part of the way to think about this is to understand that you not only have to think about what are your interactions leaving behind with your customer, but how does that also interplay with what your brand promises and what you stand for as a company? And then how can CX pros and marketing and brand pros sort of work together and combine their skill sets to really drive more memorable and emotionally resonant experiences? I'm really glad you started there and raised that because I think I was guilty of focusing on customer experience, thinking that, oh, branded marketers just put us behind the eight ball, us being CX pros, mm-hmm. because they make all these elaborate promises and marketing and advertising. And then, you know, we're the heroes. We have to rush in and keep those promises as well as we can to try and not have customers be too upset. But actually, as you were just implying and and suggesting, there's much more of a balance and interplay there between if the brand messaging, if the advertising reinforces pieces of the experience that you've delivered to me or people I might know and could ask about it in other interactions, then it actually heightens awareness of those Mm -hmm. key elements of the experience. And it makes me anticipate and expect what you can deliver, but also be more consciously thinking about that. Mm -hmm. I'll notice some of those important branded cues that you've built into the experience because you helped me to be expecting them. That anticipation is a really critical part of a good customer experience, building it up in the right way, having us positively anticipate the experience we're going to get and then feel good about ourselves for being right when it is (laughs) roughly matching that experience. And that makes us more likely to remember the experience as a good one because we had all that time leading up to the experience anticipating what it would be like. So I think that's a really important part that brand and CX and marketers are all involved here. And when it's working at its best, it kind of plays out how I was just describing it. That all sounds easy, but this is what we're going to try to go down a level from and say, how do you actually do this? What are you looking for in terms of opportunities to build that anticipation and then deliver on it? Make salient memories. How are we seeing firms do that? So we're talking about memories, and I think that may even seem like a bit of a jump. Think about why we're talking about memories quickly. And I know that we've touched on this in some past episodes. I think you (laughs) spent a lot of time explaining why memories are so important. But it's because when we look at 
our customer experience index across those three different categories, emotion tends to be the most important at fostering loyalty with a company. And so then you have to say, okay, well then how does emotion become a lever to do that? And that tends to be because the more emotion you attribute to a touch point or a brand experience, especially a positive emotion, that tends to create a stronger memory that you then correlate with that brand, right? So that's why memory then becomes something that we want to talk about here as emotion drives it, which brings us to the peak end theory. Right. The god, the guru, the living legend here, Daniel Kahneman, wrote this book, Thinking Fast and Slow, that probably a lot of listeners are familiar with. Probably many have even uh, read the book. And in it, I mean, he laid it out earlier in his collaboration with Amos Tversky. But in that book, he really lays out the peak end rule, which is that the peak moment of an experience, either pleasure or pain, and how the experience ends is overwhelmingly explanatory for how people remember that experience. And how they remember it is much more important than how it actually went. His ultimate example of this that our colleague Maxi Schmidt is fond of citing is if you ask people who are parents moment to moment how they feel about being a parent, it's mostly frustrating and exhausting and you know, humbling. But if you ask them to reflect on their experience as a parent, they would never trade it. And because they remember some of those peak moments and they remember the end when the kids hit some major milestones and it's it's fulfilling. And that is, I think, you know, a good example of what we're getting at with the, the importance of peak moments and end moments in an experience. He's got the famous, uh, I think it's a colonoscopy, which used to be an even more painful procedure. And they could actually lengthen that procedure and have it end on a less painful note, but be longer. And the patients who had to undergo the longer procedure would remember it as less painful because it had ended Mm -hmm. less painfully, even though it was longer. If you ask people, do I want a longer or a shorter version of this procedure? They would all say shorter, actually longer was better Mm -hmm. because it was less painful at the end. Now for customer experience, we've been talking recently with our colleague Maxie Schmidt about this off air. So sorry, listeners, this is not another podcast episode, but the idea that we've been sort of turning over in our heads is that of the peak end rule in customer experience, the end is the best opportunity to make an intervention because most interactions that most customers have with most brands are all right. They're fine. Mm -hmm. They're not amazing. They're not terrible. Our CX Index colleagues have enlightened us. If they were terrible, those would no longer be customers of yours. So usually you're doing okay. It's not great. It's not dazzling. And it's really hard in a lot of mundane, sort of repetitive daily interactions to make these peak moments of pleasure, Mm -hmm. right? It's hard to go above and beyond all the time. But it is not as hard to have it end better because often the end is something that's overlooked. It's something that is delivered by a partner of yours. It's something that you wouldn't even, from your point of view, define as part of the experience. Mm -hmm. You know, for example, the flight arrives Mm -hmm. 20 minutes early. We've all had this happen. But then the gate isn't ready. And so you sit there on the tarmac. You might actually still be 10 minutes early. But to me, in my experience, I know that that flight is more frustrating than one that arrived exactly on time Hmm. or even 10 minutes late because I didn't expect it to be 20 minutes early and it ended poorly. Or you think about the survey that a lot of companies are sending as follow-ups after experiences. Customers think of that as part of the experience in many instances. And if it's too many questions or you send too many reminders to take the survey or the experience of taking the survey is frustrating, that's now a new end of the experience that is worse potentially than the previous end of the experience. So all of these are sort of examples of where the peak end rule applies to customer experience, but also why we think focusing on how the experience ends is more important. Yeah. 
So I have two thoughts on that. While I agree that that end component is important, what you just said made me question a piece of advice or something that I actually think about, which is that let's say the airline gets in really early and that's great and I do get to the gate and I love it because I always get in 20 minutes early on this airline. If they then send me a survey to ask me, you know, did I like the experience or send me a follow-up to be like, we love it when you get there early. Hope you had time to, you know, get a coffee to kick off your day. That is extending the end, right? So all that post-communication is bringing that end point out even further and reminding you that it was great because it's possible, you know, I lost my luggage after that and I got really mad, but then I'll get mad at the airport and not at my airline because they sent me that reminder that their end was good. There's a risk in doing that, it sounds like, because unless that communication is really effective or positive, it has the opportunity to create a worse end. Yes, right. Are you reopening a wound Mm -hmm. or are you bringing back a positive memory? And I think that's a really important point. It's a great point. And if you got me there early and it all went fine, I think a follow-up email or just, you know, often I'll hear the pilot at the end of the flight say, hey, we're, we're thrilled to have gotten here few minutes early. That's good. That, mm-hmm. to your point, makes the memory a little bit more salient. Forces it, yeah. But if they say something that doesn't align with how you think the experience went, or isn't reflective of how the experience went, or reminds you of how the experience went and it went badly, that's tough. Do You're it. actually making it more salient. You're reminding them of a painful thing that they associate with your brand and helping them more easily associate it with the brand. Yeah, that's a great point. So then, if I'm thinking of being the marketer in the situation who sends those email communications, do I now have to make sure that my database is only sending that email out to people who arrived early and then didn't have to wait at the gate. Right? Is that sort of a new piece of data that yeah. I have to understand on the operation side of it? Because that could be affecting the memory. Yeah, that's fascinating. I mean, I, to me, there's an opportunity here where you have a follow-up email protocol mm-hmm. from the flight. And, you know, we've seen companies do this having a a split path for a survey when we'll ask the net promoter question, let's say. Mm -hmm. If you give a nine or 10, we have one follow-up question. That's great. Why would you recommend us? Seven or eight, a different one. Six or below, a different one. If they had a operationally unremarkable flight, send this follow-up email. If they got in early, send this follow-up email. If they were delayed or late or there was some other issue, send this follow-up email and take an extra hour to customize this one field we maybe have to reflect what it was. Was it weather delay? Was there an irate mm-hmm. passenger? Mm-hmm. We're seeing all these videos now of, you know, was there a service animal that had to get kicked off the God. flight? Like which yeah. type of flying incident happened mm-hmm. on this flight? Make reference to it so they know that you actually feel their pain and, and, and are reflecting that in a contextually appropriate way. Send personalized communication through a contextual marketing engine. Yes. <laughs> to, use, to use some of the language that we might be using for, <laughs> these, right. for this marketing right. audience here. <laughs> but okay, so going back to the peak, yeah, because I think it's interesting that this argument uh, just sort of forget that's about the peak. And one of the things when thinking about ways that companies can enhance memories and emotions, some of them are by inserting yourself into other memories or emotions. And so I'm thinking if, you know, I am a really big hiker and I love to hike, if you can become the brand that is my hiking shoes that I associate with this amazing trip that I took, then I'm going to love your shoe brand. And that is that company trying to insert themselves into peak moments that I'm having in total independent experiences. Yeah, I mean, I think another good example of this is TripAdvisor. They remind you 
of a trip you took that was a positive memory that maybe you did some research on TripAdvisor, but mm-hmm. in most ways it's not associated with them. You stayed in a hotel, you took an airplane, you you know did activities that they don't offer. They don't you know really sell those. Maybe you know I think you can book a hotel on TripAdvisor, but then they're reminding you to go in and review the property you stayed at if they know that you were searching in this area or how the trip was, any activities you did, mm-hmm. and if it was a good trip, they're reminding you of those positive memories. But they are reminding you, so they're now yeah. associated with those in a way that, to your point, they're sort of jumping in there. Yeah. I think that's really interesting. So this is derived from actually an example that we heard from a real customer of a hiking shoe company where they told a story because we asked uh, about the most memorable brand and she told the story that it was a brand that she went on a hiking trip with. The sole fell off her shoe at the top of the mountain, which she found hilarious because she was (laughs) there with her friends and she was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I don't have the sole on my shoe. But it was also sort of a debacle. But then because the customer service at the end of that trip when she called them was so responsive and so friendly and really empathized with her about what a crazy and bad experience that was. And they replaced her shoes, no problem. She ended up loving that brand. She was like, this was this really funny moment. It was really unfortunate. But then they swooped in and they were so understanding and so helpful. And now I have no shoes. So they capitalized on both of those moments. But that also speaks to then the employee role in making sure that these moments go well. Because if she called and the customer service was grumpy and said she couldn't replace the shoe for whatever reason, then she would hate that shoe company. That's totally right. And I think, you know, it's the employee embodying probably a promise that the company made in its branding Mm -hmm. that our products will work. And if they don't, we'll stand behind them 100%. And here in this instance now, it kind of undermined her at the top of the mountain there. I mean, at least she was at the top and coming down instead of at the bottom going up. But um, (laughs) And it was raining. A milestone achieved, right? Yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think that's a great example of where then employees are on the hook to fulfill these promises and back them up and, and reinforce them. And again, back to my earlier point, help customers feel like the experience they were anticipating, they weren't tricked. Mm-hmm. They were right. They were smart to anticipate this because this company did exactly what right. they said they would do. Makes you feel good about yourself that you were expecting them to and they did. So I, I think that is a great example. Now, this is this is the, the cautionary tale, whereas if that company's shoes break repeatedly, then no amount of quick action and problem resolution eventually is good enough because now we're saying, you know, and I remember JetBlue talked about this when they had, you know, six or seven years ago, the Valentine's Day massacre with the JFK weather issues sort of crippled their flight performance. And they said, if we can't get you from one city to another, you don't care how nice we are to you on the planes, right? right? And if our hiking shoes don't last, you don't care how nice we are to you when the sole falls off mm-hmm. because you don't want the sole to fall off very often. Um, so listeners, that's a encapsulation of what Jenny and I and some panelists will be talking about in New York. We wanted to share it here with all of you because we think this is a really interesting topic, one that continues to evolve as companies get, one, more thoughtful about the importance of emotion, two, think about the role of memory and anticipation, and then three, as we are going to be talking to this branded and marketing audience, the role that brand messaging and marketing communication can play in extending an experience at the end, as Jenny was describing, and at heightening memories that uh, build anticipation for the next interaction with your brand. So that's why we think this is such an important topic. And we'll be talking about it in New York next month. Listeners, if you have feedback or questions about this week's episode, please email us at cxcast, one word, at forrester.com. And remember, your customer's perceptions is your customer experience reality.